what you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Do you know what I'm talking about? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Just a whole lot of hooting and hollering here in the studio, and only if you're nice to my wife and my mother. My kids, too. Uh, and the guests. We want to be, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we want to be nice to our guests. All right. Joining us now is Manchester Superintendent Dr. Bohan Vargas. He joins us once a month to talk about what's happening in the Queen City Schools here in our Is Our Children Learning segment, brought to us by our friends at the Straight A Academy. Located in Bedford, innovation in education is their mantra. So whether or not your child needs help with standardized test preparation, figuring out what college it would be right for them, help with any subject tutoring or private tutelage, they're available at straightaacademy.com. That's straightaacademy.com. Good morning, Dr. Vargas. Good morning. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's start this way. It's been a year here. Yes. Almost a year uh, since you started your superintendency, and about this time last year, you had been notified that you were a finalist and you were making arrangements to come to the city for your uh, for a tour of the schools, meet the community, final interview with the board, and all that. Um, let's let's start here. What what in your first year did you sort of identify as the big issues in yeah. the Queen City's schools, and what steps have you taken? To address them, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you kind of like a wide berth yeah. uh, to start off here. Well, number one, I began by listening to the community and teachers and staff. I've been in every school um, for the past year several times, and and I hold these sessions that I call coffee and conversation, where any teacher, any member of this community could come and challenge me give me insight on what they see the priority um, as they see fit in terms for uh, educating our children. So one issue that was identified by the board and also by the uh, by, by teachers and uh, parents and other was the issue of class size. Yep. And I'm happy to say that we have made some progress. We are not there yet, but if uh, the board, for example, have requested that I provide them weekly with the class size. And I think by all account, um, as I say, they are no perfect, but we are making significant progress. Well, and, and, and that is particularly at the elementary level. Well, I was going to say, class size in Manchester is kind of, um, it, it's, it's, it's several animals. You've got class size. Ish, uh, you've got class sizes at the high schools, which, by and large, I think are extraordinarily good. Yep. You've got class sizes at the middle schools, which I think um, are pretty good. And then you've got class size issues at the elementary schools, where there have been some challenges. So, what I'd like to do, Doctor, is mm-hmm. sort of break it down. What you see at the high schools, what you see at the middle schools, okay. and then we'll take some time to talk about the elementary schools. At the high school, we are in good shape. We could do better, however, by doing a little bit of scheduling and restructuring and also uh, revisiting some of the approach that allowed to have some class size, let's say, that might be 15 or less, particularly at the advanced level. And then you have class uh, class sizes that might be um, a little bit 
larger, more than the acceptable norm. But that okay. problem could be resolved uh, without adding additional money at, at, at the high school level. At the middle school, uh, you have some challenge, but again, it could be addressed, and we made significant progress. As one principal spoke last night um, around class sizes at the at the um, middle school, because we added reading, health, uh, foreign languages, which I'm very proud. That's another area that um, I identify was that our middle school, um, in order for us to have a, a position then to deliver high quality. Um, Educational services for our students. They need. We needed to invest in the area of foreign languages, health, mm-hmm. and and reading, and um, and we did that. And I'm very proud about that. At the elementary level, that is um, definitely, as you can see, I will let the board and the public to judge on that. We are making significant progress in there, but we could still. Uh, like like I always say, if it's about every child, if you have one classroom. Um, let's say we 30 students, um, it's fine if the superintendent say that the, the majority of our classes are uh, <laughs> on the 30, but at the end of the day, um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a, a, about every child, then it's about every classroom. Right. And uh, However, when you look at this, uh, which I have been providing to the board, you can see that the majority, the overwhelming majority, or our classes are within a sectable level, uh, which is an interesting um, uh, observation, but also I, I would say it's interesting because um, that has implication for a large issue here, which is redistricting. Okay. And one of the purposes of redistricting is to reduce class size. And, um, and so we are... Um, we are looking at this data very carefully. Again, but the, at the end of the day, how are we going to improve the student achievement, which is our key priority? Uh, we are going to retain families, and and if we are going to make this this district the best urban district in the U.S. and the best urban district in in New England, there's no question in my mind that we had to improve our student achievement. And that cannot be done by a single teacher or a superintendent or the school board. That requires families, teacher, community, unions, and others. Because the system, by the way, uh, as is currently designed, it will prevent even the superintendent from taking a step, um, uh, even with the limited resources, to, um, uh, to advance the student achievement. And that's something that we need to have a dialogue. And I'm not someone that is here to tell you um, that the issue is not that our teachers are not working too hard. They are working very, very, very hard. However, they are trapping a system that might kill creativity and innovation. And in the 21st century, you cannot have a school system particularly in an urban district, if we are going to position the district to be the best, that allow any barrier, any structure or otherwise, to get in the way of doing that. So are there any specific things that you would like to see change to uh, help you reach this goal, which I think is a lofty one, um, that I'd like you to explain of, the, of Manchester being the best urban district in New England and the country? 
Um, uh, absolutely. I will begin, like I said, by making the system a little bit more flexible. What do I mean by that? Mm. For example, we do have a larger charter school. And in, in, actually, we have about 10 in, in Manchester that we are sending students to, or parents right. are choosing. And we have a declining enrollment, mm-hmm. which is the biggest threat to the stability of the district for our workforce, for our facility, because at the end of the day, we assist because we have students. Mm-hmm. To the extent that we don't, con- that we don't come with a plan that deal with the stability issue, we do know that any organization in order to strive had to have the stability. I do believe, and all the could argue, that if we provide some flexibility in the system that we can attract more family. For example, right now, if you are a family, let's say that both, even with both parents, if you had to show up to work at 7 o'clock, which is for some parents that might be the case, it might be even a gas station, a convenience, you know, we are not encouraging you, for example, to drop, a, to drop our students before 8.30. We could come work together, collaborate in a way that we don't ask anyone to work more hours than the, what they have to. But if I had the flexibility, I could do that with no question. So you, uh, you, however, the charter school could do that. Right. Actually, I did face that in, in, in throughout the country. I always say, what can you learn? And you have to respond to the needs of families. Just like I do believe that we have to respond to the need of our teacher. We have to give them the text and the tool and the resources and support for them to do a good job. We also had to create schools in the 21st century that are flexible enough that could respond to the needs of the student, the needs of the teachers, and the needs of the family. And that is a, a, a clear example. I don't know if you get my point, but I think that uh, you know what I mean by when I talk about flexibility. Like, for example, when a superintendent cannot determine how you organize the school in terms of the schedule. Right. And I'm a great believer that I should not be allowed to do that if I get in the way of the working condition of anyone. I'm not talking about violating anyone's right. Or, 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 however, I would think that people will welcome a conversation and I say, how we do this? Rather than before we even try, um, constantly um, 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 uh, being inflexible about even having the conversation. So you're you're looking for people apparently to be a little bit more open-minded about the possibilities of change and how it could work to everybody's advantage rather than saying something like, oh, well, the contract says, or oh, the principles do, or oh, 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 past practice has been. Oh, oh, will not get us to where we need to be. <laughs> what we need to do, and um, thanks to, by the way, to uh, the unions, and, um, and thanks to... Um, to the teachers and the staff at West. Yeah. They have um, put a proposal that there were a lot of this issue that at the end of the day, if it's executed, it would be better for teachers, better for kids, and they will have more flexibility because hopefully we will ha- children will have more time on task for learning. They won't necessarily have to be like it was in the 1950s before, that everything has to happen in the classroom. 
So when a child is doing an internship mm-hmm. or taking a class at a two-year college, that allows the teacher, let's say, in, in this particular case at West, to have more time. And I'm one who believe that you also need to give the teacher the flexibility because sometimes we ask a teacher who has 100 students, you know, in a very prescribed way to do things that doesn't allow uh, him or her to have the time that she might, you know, that the teacher might need to to uh, um, support the students. So I do know that there are, there are schools throughout the U.S. that have this kind of flexibility and they are striving. They are succeeding. And by the way, we have great school. I mean, in, in, in our district, however, the challenge today is that we have declining enrollment, as I said. But so people number. understand declining enrollment. That's like losing customers. Uh, that's like a business losing customers. And when you lose customers, you lose revenue. And when you lose revenue, you eventually go out of business. Absolutely. So. You, not only that, one thing that I have said that I like to prevent in this community is having to close a single school. Right. Because it's the hardest, hardest thing for a community. Students suffer, teachers suffer, and the community suffer. And when I came here, one of the things that I did listen to it is that you need to close school. So I have a, you know, I have an approach that call for growth rather than um, a deficit model. However, I don't think that I will succeed if I don't get the support of all these stakeholders uh, to do that. And if I had to go so slow <laughs> that it take. Um, um, a year or two before you get anything done because you had to 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 get debate it and debate it. And one of the things, my observation here, my first year, trying to change the, the, the mindset of people here about being so negative. I mean, the system, the school system in here has a lot of incredible, incredible, incredible programs and services that I second to none. So we have a lot of great things, but it's getting caught up in the... Uh, negativity that exists between different stakeholders. All right, we're going to have more from Superintendent Dr. Bolhen Vargas here in the Queen City following this break for Traffic, Weather, and Sports. Brought to us by Paul R.R. Martineau. He's running for Alderman in Manchester Ward 2. And he says during his 15 years as Manchester's elected welfare commissioner, he's actually reduced his department's budget by over half a million dollars. He eliminated two positions, saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in salaries and benefits over the year. The staff under his leadership has returned over two and a half million of your tax dollars back to the city treasury. As alderman, he he says he will continue to work for efficiencies in government. Uh, as well as work on the opioid crisis, neighborhood safety, education, property taxes, infrastructure, and economic development. If you want to learn more about Paul's record or his proposals on how he's going to get the job done as the alderman in Ward 2, contact Paul Martineau at 493-1652. That's 493-1652. Or online at pmartineau65 at yahoo.com. 